4: Let's go! This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSN, the sports betting network.
0: Happy Wednesday, everybody. Welcome into the Lombardi Line presented by BetMGM. We're coast to coast, as always, this morning. Michael Lombardi out east at his office in Jersey. I'm Stormy Bonatoni, live from Circa Resort and Casino in downtown Las Vegas, also host Today of the beginning of Mountain West Conference Media Days, we will have a surprise guest from the league stopping by in about 15 minutes. There's also a Barbie movie takeover happening here at Circa. Michael, I don't know if you saw that on social media. So are you oh, and no. are you and Millie no. gonna do the the Barbie and no. Oppenheimer two for this weekend? No.
4: You know, the Oppenheimer one interests me. I don't I am out on Barbie. There's no yeah. chance I'm doing Barbie. <laughs> but Oppenheimer one does interest me. I I don't know. You know, what I mean, but it's hard with grandkids. I, yeah. I can't imagine having – I don't get – we don't get three hours to basically do anything. It's a, it's a busy schedule in the summertime around here, Stormy. And, you know, it's uh, – even though today's a rain day, we still have a lot of things that, that have to happen. A lot of mini golf, a lot of pizza, you know, those yeah. things.
0: Yeah, very, very stuff. busy. Very. You actually did do some important stuff yesterday with your book, which I'm happy to hear all of that went well. The release date coming up soon for everybody. If you haven't done your pre-orders, make sure you get them in now. But, yeah, I'm jealous that you can actually go outside. Although what what I would give for a rain day out here with 115 <laughs> in Vegas day in and day out – Neither here nor there. Um, lots of good stuff coming up here today on the program. In addition to the guest I just mentioned and plenty of college football talk with media days going on all over the country. We have lots of NFL news and notes as players begin reporting for training camps. Uh, it's a no way or no doubt day later on in the show, which I'm always excited about. And we have our guy, Harry Gagnon, in his usual spot on a Wednesday. Give out some of his plays I mean, in major. How about baseball. Harry
4: last night? I am I mean, Stormy, the guy could, I don't even know why we have him on the show. I'm getting to the point where now it's just becoming uh, a nuisance. He sends me these videos from last night. He's in Vienna, yeah, a, a town that I desperately want to go to. Desperately. And he's watching Springsteen in Vienna, and he's sending me clips. I mean, the guy's seen Springsteen at least 10 times in, in Europe. It's remarkable. He must be really hitting it heavy on these bets. His tips must be coming in.
0: He's got to be. I, I actually did see he's like eight and one in his in a recent streak. So he's he's hitting them. He's going international. For anybody who is new to the Lombardi line, our guy Harry Gagnon just follows Bruce Springsteen all around the country. The number of shows that he hits is incredible. So very envious of the lifestyle that that guy lives. We'll keep it moving here um, with uh, the NFL lifestyle today because, Michael, I haven't talked to you since the franchise tag deadline uh, passed on Monday afternoon. None of the running backs that were looking for long-term deals ended up coming to fruition. Josh Jacobs, Saquon Barkley, Tony Pollard. Very quickly after the deadline, too, several NFL running backs took to social media to weigh in and give their opinion. So I'm going to read off a few of these real quickly before we get your reaction. Derrick Henry said, at this point, just take the running back position out of the game then. I'm with every running back that's fighting to get where they deserve. Najee Harris, history will show that you need running backs to win. This notion that we deserve less is a joke. Jonathan Taylor, if you work hard enough, you succeed. If you succeed, you boost the organization and then doesn't matter, you're a running back. Austin Eckler, your guy, this is the kind of trash that is artificially devalued. One of the most important positions in the game. Everyone knows it's tough to win it without a top running back. And they act like we are discardable widgets. And CMC, he kept it short and sweet, called it criminal, called them some of the best players in the league, regardless of the position. And, and there are more, Michael. So guys playing the position, being very vocal in support of each other, getting paid and reminding people the value that the position can bring. What did you make of of all this over the last 24 hours?
4: Well, look, the reality of it is, is I don't disagree that I I, I wrote this today for VEASAN about this notion that there's all these number one receivers in the NFL, which is completely not true. There's 18 receivers currently making an average of 18 million per year, which is ridiculous because some of them, most of them aren't number one receivers, but that's the market. And we live in a capitalistic system in the NFL. And because supply of running backs is so high and the demand is not as high as the supply, the prices don't go up. I mean, when Nick Chubb did his deal at $12.2 million, I think he did it three years ago, right? The cap has gone up substantially from there, but yet we haven't seen the cost of the running back market go up because supply is so high. People say, look, we'll draft one. We'll get one in the third round. We'll pick one in the fifth round, and he'll come in and play well, and we'll piece it all together because the cap is one of these mechanisms that you have to decide where you want to put your dollars. Would I pay Eckler? Yes. Would I have paid Josh Jacobs? Yes. Now, I don't know what they offered him because they did offer him. Did they offer him more than Nick Chubb? Did they offer him McCaffrey money? I wouldn't pay that because I don't want to pay a running back $16 million. Yeah. I don't want to pay a slot receiver. 18 million either so you've got to pick your battles unfortunately for the running back position supply is high
0: and and Michael I think you made a really interesting point there talking about the dollars and cents because these franchise tag numbers aren't just you know something that's picked right they are based on the salary cap they are agreed upon in the CBA as well and what's interesting is since 2015 the salary cap has gone up over 81 and a half million dollars Every other position has gone up substantially in the amount of money that is put on those franchise tags with the exception of the running back position. Running back is actually down nearly a million dollars. I mean, even if you look down the list, kickers and punters are making a million dollars more than they were in 2015. Could this offseason and everything that's going on right now potentially be a catalyst for change or a shift of that mindset knowing how many people are being vocal about this, or is it just kind of a non-impact and owners are going to keep doing what they're
4: doing? It's noise. It has no impact. It's collectively bargained. How are you going to change it? You could send out a zillion tweets. I mean, they are not, it's a union. And so therefore, because there's so much supply, because people feel like we can find another back. I mean, look, Joe Mixon took a huge pay cut. Add that in there. Right because Joe Mixon knows the market it is a capitalistic system it's market when the market's low and there's so high supply you're not going to get prices are going to increase the wide receiver market is kind of an anomaly because people are paying for receivers Christian Kirk at eighteen million is he a number one or a number is he you know a nice player like Hopkins just got fifteen million dollars or 26 over two. Is he a number one receiver? I know everybody at the worldwide leader thinks he is, but he's not. I mean, he's not. He since he since he went to Arizona, one every 18.8 catches he scores a touchdown. Randy Moss was one every 6.5 over his career. That's a number one receiver. That's and Paul Warfield was one every 5 catches. That's a number one receiver. Terrell Owens was one every 9 catches. That's a number one receiver. So, like, don't tell me just because you accumulate catches, you're a number one receiver. Mm -hmm. Remember this, Stormy. It's really important, right? There's one thing about uh, when the defensive coordinator is getting ready to play Hopkins or getting ready to play Keenan Allen, they're worried about him, but they don't fear him. They don't fear him. They're worried, but they don't fear. And there's a huge difference between that, right? You fear Randy Moss. You feared Marvin Harrison. You feared... You know, Terrell Owens, Jerry Rice. You don't fear Keenan Allen. You don't feel Hopkins. That doesn't mean they're not good players. We have such a hard time separating good from great.
0: Yeah, we're just, we're at this point now where that's a position because there's been so much put into maximizing the quarterback position in the past game that wide receivers are getting overpaid and even running backs that are utilized in the past game and are helping maximize the position aren't. And so it's an interesting give and take here. One question that I asked Mike Palm when he was filling in yesterday was, do you think that there could be any potential for Like in the future, the running back rookie deals have like a max number of years that's lowered so that they can get those second contracts earlier, potentially, or just any sort of finagling to change. I mean, the peak age, the the way that these running backs are talked about is like, okay, you're 25, 26 years old. You're going to be out to pasture here pretty soon. Let's move on.
4: Right. I mean, Aaron Jones is 29. He took a pay cut. Joe Mixon took a pay cut this offseason. This is all market related. Now, if, if the game shifts at all, I mean, McCaffrey is the anomaly, right? Mm-hmm. And let's face it, we're talking p- positively about McCaffrey when for two years he missed multiple games. He was, o- he was one of the most highly valued, uh, overpaid players in the league because he missed so many games. And this has everything to do with supply and demand, simply that. And the receiver market gets paid because teams get into sense of desperation. And then here's the other part: when you don't do a deal, when Saquon Barkley turns down a deal, that doesn't go into the pool, right? Right. His deal, so there's nothing getting into the pool. P- players are everybody's renting, not buying running backs, and therefore there's no huge, there's no number going in to raise the level.
0: Yeah. Um, Adam Schefter reported, I believe, yesterday, the number for Saquon that was on the table was 22.2 million in guaranteed money, and he didn't take it. Jacob similarly had a chance to take a legitimate deal for what the market is and didn't take it so much so that he was in a car with Max Crosby in the facility parking lot, hoping that something would get done before the deadline and walk inside. Ultimately didn't get there. Speaking specifically to Saquon, Tiki Barber, a former NFL running back, obviously Giants legend himself. He made some comments saying that Saquon, like that holding out even in training camps, not going to do anything for you. He doesn't expect him. he, He doesn't think he should sit out games. And I know you have the same sentiment. When it comes to at least I mean, sitting look, out a got, game and missing look, a paycheck.
4: Every time you – when you sit out a game, you're doing the team a favor because they will get one-seventeenth of credit back on the salary cap. So go ahead. Miss a game if you want. It's no different than my attitude would be, okay, you pulled the hamstring. I mean, it isn't like Saquon's the most durable back in the, in the league. now? He's yeah. going to miss games, right? You know, I mean, all these guys miss games. I mean, Dalvin Cook last year played 17 games. And he was deemed too expensive because Madison, even though he's not as good as Cook, is almost as good as Cook. It's a supply. We're making way more of it Mm -hmm. than it is. And it's not like, okay, we're going to go on strike as running backs. It's not a collective union. It's a collective bargaining thing.
0: Yes, it is. And uh, we have a lot more NFL news and notes to get to here on the Lombardi line. but first, we're gonna when we return to the break, we're gonna get to some college football. We have a great guest that's coming in, just named about an hour ago, the preseason defensive player of the year in the Mountain West. We'll tell you who that is when he joins us at live with us coming up.
4: This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on v the sports betting network.
0: We all know about the speed of sound, but have you ever thought about the sounds of speeding? Drive too fast and you could hear the sound of your vehicle crashing because one way or another, speed catches up with you, paid for by NHTSA. Welcome back to the Lombardi line. Alongside Michael Lombardi, I'm Stormy Bonantoni. Conference media days in college football are here. And it's a great sign, as always, that the season is upon us. And we're lucky enough that Circa this week is hosting the Mountain West Conference media days on location, which means on set right now with us, we have not just any player, ladies and gentlemen, but this morning, the newly minted preseason defensive player of the year in the conference, Easton Gibbs, linebacker at the University of Wyoming. Congratulations. First off, what was that like to hear the news this morning?
5: You know, I wasn't quite awake yet, and then I got a couple of texts, and I woke up, so it was a good thing to wake up to. Uh, Definitely blessed, and uh, it was cool to kind of get that honor, uh, especially this early in the year.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, coming out here to Vegas, too, from Laramie, I imagine a a little bit different, but is it nice to get to interact with some of the players from around the league and do some activities? I know you guys usually do some fun stuff, right? Yeah,
5: I mean, it's a good time getting to know some guys, too. You know, we're all kind of, as different teams as we are, we're all kind of similar. You know, we all play college football, so... You really have a lot in common so it's cool to just meet new dudes and kind of just hang out and just kind of see what it's like at their university so Easton you played quarterback
4: safety linebacker in high school and as the game in the mountain west has transitioned to basically all passing you know and I also believe this that you really are going to be judged at the next level based on your ability to play against personnel groups, not first and second or third down. So if you could stay on the field versus 11, or if you could stay on the field versus 10, you're going to be a highly valued draft capital for the NFL teams. Do you think your experience as a quarterback and a safety in high school has helped you prepare as you stay on the field all the
5: time for Wyoming? No doubt. I mean, going through high school and, you know, being on the other side of the ball, especially as a quarterback and having to go through reads and break stuff down from that side definitely gives me a different perspective and, and things to look at. So I think that definitely helped. And then even playing safety, you know, you're the back end of the defense and you're looking up on everything and uh, just both perspectives and both ways that it goes. I think definitely have helped me a lot in my college career.
0: I mean, even this past year, you make the transition from will to middle linebacker. Um, you have uh, guys like Chad Muma and Logan, who you learned from before. How does, like, handling, I guess, some of the pressure of making those transitions and living up to some of the people in front of you help form just, like, extra motivation for you coming into the 2023 season?
5: Yeah, I mean, coming down to it, I've always had those guys as as pretty good friends, too. So it was definitely pressure, but it was also kind of an honor, you know, moving to that middle linebacker spot at our uh, university. Um, You know, and those guys have helped me a lot throughout the way. You know, if I ever had questions or kind of just – how to deal with the pressure, you know, because Chad had to deal with it from Logan. And so it was definitely nice having those guys just kind of as more friends than anything.
0: Michael, it's kind of becoming like linebacker you out there at, at Wyoming with the way some of yeah. these guys have piped out to the to the National Football League.
4: You know, and, and it's partly because of the Mountain West being such a past league. I mean, Marty Ma- Mapu, the kid that was drafted by Cal State Sacramento by New England. You know, here's a small school, but yet he went in the third round because he had the ability to play safety, he had the ability to play linebacker. And the way the game is going, you know, I've often said this is when your Mike linebacker is slow, your defense is slow. And so when you've got a Mike linebacker that can run and he can play against every personnel group, all of a sudden your defense is much faster. And this notion that we're going to be a nickel, we're going to be a dime, I mean, that's all removing because the offenses are in so much spread formation. So as you get ready for the Mountain West, uh, who do you feel like is the best offense you have to play against in the Mountain West?
5: Ooh, uh, that's a tough question. I mean, They're all so different. You know, Boise State brings a different dynamic. You know, they got three dudes in that backfield that kind of can do a lot of stuff. Um, But they're kind of more of that pro style, too. So, you know, and then you got people like Utah State who really like to spread it out. But I always like to say Air Force is probably the most challenging offense you have to prepare for just because they do that triple option stuff, and it's just so much different. Uh, We we put a lot of time into that and kind of have to really lock in for that week.
0: At least when you have to play them on the road, you're used to the altitude playing at 7220 and all of that. But looking at your guys' schedule this year, it's not easy, right? Um, Open the season, non-con, nationally televised game, Texas Tech, Texas on the schedule. Um, When you look at that schedule, how much do you just have to go one week at a time, figuring out what you guys are doing step by step?
5: Yeah, I mean, that's kind of what we do every week regardless. You know, it's definitely a tough schedule this year. But uh, I think it just comes down to, like you said, just take it one week at a time and, you know, really focus on your opponent every week so
0: something i was curious your opinion on you guys go from i believe it was the fourth youngest team Mm. in the country a season ago this year with 17 returning starters back you're the most experienced team now when it comes to your starting production coming back in year two in the mountain west conference how is just that step i feel like when i talk to coaches in college football they always talk about that freshman to sophomore jump and what a dynamic jump that that Mm -hmm. is For the whole team, really, going from so much youth to now having that experience, what kind of a difference can that make?
5: I mean, it's crazy. I think we kind of saw it a little bit last year. You know, even just game by game, those young guys, you could just tell they get more comfortable. And now having a whole off offseason, knowing really what they're doing and kind of having that experience, like you said, I think it brings a big, big boost to the team. And just confidence-wise, I think is the biggest thing, you know, just being out there and knowing that they, they can play at this level.
4: How have you adapted, you know, coming from California, how have you adapted to the altitude at Wyoming? And do you feel like when you go and play on at sea level, you feel like it's just a completely different game?
5: Yeah, I mean, when I first got here, it was definitely tough. You know, I was coming down from Southern California, and, you know, first couple workouts and stuff, I was gassed. And, you know, it takes a little bit to get used to it. People think maybe a couple of days up there, but I think it took me probably a couple of weeks. Um, but, yeah, when I go back down to sea level, it just kind of, Seems like I just have a breath of fresh air every time down there. So it it is nice playing uh, up that high all the time.
0: (laughs) I, I lived in Colorado Springs for a little while Mm -hmm. when I previously worked at the mountain West in a, in a former life. And I remember when I first moved there, just being at higher elevation, I'd try to run on the treadmill. I thought I was going to die. I went back to San Diego to visit my family or I'd come back here to Vegas and I felt like strongest woman in the world. It really does make a difference. Is that nice to like have that added advantage at times when you're playing the home schedule?
5: Yeah, it's definitely in our back pocket. You know, you know if the offense goes a little faster, if we can keep them on the field a little longer, you know they're probably gonna get a little bit more tired than normal. So it's definitely an advantage.
0: Um, I had a couple more <clears throat> questions with you with regards to the Mountain West Conference taking away divisions this year, mm-hmm. first time since 2012 that they haven't had the Mountain and West division you're used to playing in that mountain division and and Boise has kind of been at the top of that Mm -hmm. in recent history, the the preseason um, media poll selection to win the conference this year. Do you think that it opens up a little bit more opportunity to have the two best teams um, when it comes to win percentage, getting to play in that final title game?
5: Yeah. I mean, I feel like that's the way it should be, you know, the two best teams should have a shot at the championship. So I think it's definitely beneficial that we move back to kind of this format. And I think it'll be fun. I mean, it's definitely going to be weird not playing some of the teams you're used to playing yeah. every single year, but I think it'll be a good time.
0: Well, tell us a little bit about your team. <clears throat> For people that are maybe a little bit less familiar with Wyoming football, what should people expect this season from your group?
5: Man, just a lot of effort and a lot of, you know, energy. We like to fly around out there and, you know, take a lot of pride in that and just kind of having like a hard-nosed team. So it should be a good year.
0: You know, I think that's that's a good way to put it, hard-nosed. I saw a quote from Craig Bull recently where he said, I like the attitude of this team. They're a hard-working group. They play together. The, the type of team I got into coaching for um, and, and talking about how special a type of player it takes to, to play at Wyoming and to buy into the Wyoming way. How would you best describe what the Wyoming way is and, and why you think this team is structured the way that it is?
5: I think just the Wyoming way is really just comes down to working hard. And every day you come into the facility, it's kind of like bettering yourself. You know, we always talk about getting 1% better and kind of trying to get to that next level, even though it might be, you know hard or you might not want to do it and I think our whole team is really bought into that process of really trying to better themselves every single day they step into our facilities
0: you know we talked off the top about your relationship with Logan Wilson and Chad Muma and kind of learning behind them who's the the next up-and-comer behind you that you're trying to share that similar mentorship with
5: True. I mean we got a pretty young room behind me but uh, Connor Shea you know he's been a guy that's been around for a little bit now you know but he's been behind me for a little bit and you know he's a good friend of mine too but you know Kind of just trying to show them the ropes and do the same thing, so.
0: Yeah, uh, if there was one flaw, I guess, from the Wyoming defense last year, I think the thing you guys get knocked for is the run D. Mm-hmm. How, are you, how are you guys looking to turn that around in 2023?
5: You know, I think we'll be good. We had a little bit of injuries last year up front, and, you know, I think we were turning one of the best defensive lines we've had in a long time at our school, and, you know, it comes down to just being, go back to that hard nose, you know, type of football we want to play. So I think if we just come out and play with effort, it should be, it should be a pretty good year.
0: Yeah, no question. Certainly excited to see what the Wyoming Cowboys are able to put on the field here this season. And congratulations again to you for being named the preseason defensive player of the year. You went over 120 tackles last year. Any personal goals for you?
5: I uh, just play football. You know, I just want to win some games. So that's about it for me.
0: All right. Simple. Play hard. Keep at it. Good yeah. luck throughout the rest of this season. Um, Appreciate the time here again. Easton Gibbs, Mountain West Preseason Defensive Player of the Year. Yes, and um, plenty of content that's going to be coming out of Mountain West Media Days from the Mountain West Digital Network and other outlets as well. Make sure y'all check that out. We're going to take a quick break here on the Lombardi line. We've got more NFL contract news and a potential holdout to discuss when we return here. Plus, while we're talking Mountain West, might as well give an update on my alma mater, San Diego State's uh, standing (laughs) with the league. The results of a very important conversation that took place last night. Don't go anywhere. This is the Lombardi line on Beast and Neat Sports Betting Network.
4: This is the Lombardi line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here's your host, Stormy Bonatoni on v the sports betting network.
0: It's time to download Nevada's premier sports betting app, BetMGM Sports. BetMGM has all your favorite wagering options along with in-game betting, boosted odds specials, and more. You can download the BetMGM app today and stop by any MGM casino on the strip with your state-issued ID to open up an account and start placing sports bets from anywhere in Nevada. Whatever your sport. Whatever your betting style, you're going to love BetMGM state-of-the-art technology and fan-friendly specials every day of the week. Visit BetMGM for terms and conditions. Must be 21 or older and physically located in Nevada. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700 back here on the Lombardi line for inquiring minds as we just wrapped up a conversation with Easton Gibbs of the University of Wyoming. Mountain West Football Media Day is being hosted here at Circa Resort and Casino. Happy to have him on set. Win total. For the Wyoming Cowboys sitting at six and a half, plus 115 to the over, minus 140 juice to the under. I I referenced was the Easton, very tough schedule for the Wyoming Cowboys coming into this season. And uh, to wrap up some of our Mountain West talk as well, Michael, uh, the league did reportedly inform my alma mater, San Diego State, yesterday that it will remain a member of the conference. So good news all around after that. I mean, for anybody that didn't know, I'll give you a little timeline on what went down there. San Diego State tried to exit the conference over a month ago. They sent a letter saying that they intend to leave the league. They were trying to see if they could get an extension from the then June 30th deadline so that they could only have to pay their normal $17 million exit fee. It would bump up to double that should they exceed that number. But since the Pac-12 still hasn't finalized their rights deal, They couldn't go there, so it was a lot of back and forth with the Mountain West where basically the league was just saying, no, you told us you were going to leave, so you have to pay us, and um, they they got it worked out. San Diego State will remain in the Mountain West for at least the next two seasons, Michael, so that's good to hear.
4: Yeah, and they got their check, and they got paid, so that's important for San Diego State, and we're also uh, that we will soon see the Pac-12 is getting ready to announce their media deal. So they believe that I think it's August 1st is when they have media day with the Pac-12, if I'm not mistaken. And so they're going to announce their rights. So we'll start to see as some of this shapes up. Because, look, let's face it, you know, the, the college football landscape has changed dramatically. I mean, USC, UCLA are in the Big Ten. Uh, you know, I mean, yeah. so Nebraska is not the furthest point west no in the Big Ten any longer. And so we know that Oklahoma and and. And Texas are going on the Southeast Conference. And we saw there's a lot of uncertainty, and I think it's going to continue that way. But once these media deals get done, we'll get clarity.
0: Yeah, the Pac-12 media day is actually going to take place later on this week. So we'll see if we do get that answer and clarity sooner rather than later. But I feel like for the last however many months, Michael, since they decided to enter into negotiations earlier with all of the news of UCLA and USC – That like, oh yeah, we're, we're, we're getting there. We're getting there. We're getting there. And then we just never get there. So hopefully you're right. And that they have some answers for the media when they're asked a lot of those questions. Um, As for San Diego state, their win total this year set at seven games, hoping fingers crossed with media days. Like I said, being here to get uh, head coach of the Aztecs, Brady Hoke on the program as well. Went 7-6 and last year. Had a turn of fortune once they made a change at quarterback. New offensive coordinator. Um, Their defense is always going to be good. So we'll just see if they can put it together this year. Let's go back to the NFL, Michael. Uh, Some interesting news about a team that you are very familiar with and your guy Bill Belichick out there in New England. NBC Sports Boston reporter and Patriots insider uh, Tom Curran said on the Rich Eisen show this week that not only is Belichick on the hot seat, but that he's been at varying degrees of warmth since 2019 cited the lack of a succession plan after Tom Brady walked the decision this past season to let Joe Judge and Matt Patricia take over the offense as well as in so many words struggles with discipline and situational awareness. Uh, how, how much pressure do you feel is actually on Bill Belichick this season?
4: Well, I mean, it's interesting. I mean, two coaches now. We've got Nick Saban's legacy's in trouble because according to the worldwide leader and and Paul Feinbein, whatever his name is, I mean, you know, that that Nick Saban's no longer, you know, one bad year ruins it. I, I, I like Tom Curran, and I think certainly the Patriots haven't been to the level that they're used to being. They made the playoffs. Last year was a disappointment, certainly. They made mistakes, but to me, you know, look, if, if you're going to get a better coach than Belichick, good luck finding one. Yeah. Uh, you know, good luck finding one. And I think sometimes when you've had so much success, you tend to get spoiled with your success. And, you know, the, this is always going to be the notion. And I ask this, how is Bill Belichick on the hot seat and Ron Rivera isn't? <laughs> like, how is that news, right?
0: No, I'm with like, you. Are people, like, are people saying Ron news? Rivera is not on the hot seat, though? I feel like. It's pretty clear. You never read about it. It just should have been previously. You previous never years. read
4: about it. Yeah, you just never read about it. Look, you know, I mean, one of the things about the National Football League is there's always discourse. There's always going to be change. And if they feel like they can find a better coach than Belichick, I'm sure th- – They'll, they'll make a decision if they can. If not, he'll go on, keep coaching, and I'm sure he'll go somewhere else. I don't think those guys will be unemployed long yeah. if they lose their jobs, like Mike Shanahan was when he lost his job in Denver. Did they improve their franchise? I think they've been dwindling down since then. I mean, I know they won a Super Bowl with Gary Kubiak, but the changes are often harder. Who replaces the coach? It's easy for us in the media to say you should fire the coach, but who are you going to get that's a better coach than Belichick?
0: I wouldn't say a better coach, but I think at least based on what I've read and understood within the organization, that the person that would maybe step in is Gerard Mayo. After that, not that he's better, but he's internal yeah. and would make a sense for a natural transition. Right.
4: Well, I, th- I think what you'll see is if there's changes, you'll see more people become involved in the Patriots. You know, right now everything runs through Belichick, and I think really the the whole discontent or perhaps the the is that maybe they want to kind of get some of that ability to bring back to the decision-making and Robert Kraft, the owner's used to winning, you know, and he wants to, maybe he wants more say, because right now mm-hmm. everything runs through the head coach. Although when you read the books, everything was about the decisions that were made were, were not Belichick's. <laughs> it's kind sort of interesting how it all goes. You know, winning has uh, a lot of friends. Losing has, has very few.
0: Um, Curran added in that interview that, I mean, speaking to your point about Robert Kraft, maybe wanting to have more play in the decision-making, that he's pointed out a number of times that he's anxious and wants results, and he's not getting them since Tom Brady left after the 2019 season. The Patriots have been 25-25 and with a combination of Cam Newton, Mac Jones, and Bailey Zappi under center. Did you see the quotes from Asante Samuel, by the way? Um, on, on Belichick, and, Belichick and Tom Brady?
4: I mean, it's a joke. I mean, Here, it really uh, is a joke. In, I for, mean, the for, guy, Samuel, has no idea what he's... St- he has a grudge. I mean, obviously, it's a grudge. When, like Feinbaum, when he said what he said about... Bella, what about Nick Saban? There's obviously a grudge there. I mean, how it gets any play. Any, ask Tom Brady if Brady could have been as successful without Belichick. I think you'll get the answer. Like, I don't understand, like, this notion that great players... Don't need great coaching. Like, where does this come from? Like, you know, like like Warren Moon was a great player. Did he have great coaching? He never made it to one conference championship game, right? Dan Marino had a Hall of Fame coach, the winningest coach, he went to one Super Bowl. I, I mean, like, seriously, are you really gonna defend, have to defend that ridiculous notion that you know it's all Brady that the reason they won. So let's go through it, Asante right? If you would have caught the pass over on the other sideline, there would have been seven Super Bowls in New England, not just six. Let's put that out there. Okay, that's one. Two, the first Super Bowl, they had to stop the greatest show on turf. Did Brady play defense that day? I'm just asking. I don't know. I'm sure he probably didn't. Just a hunch he didn't. How about the Super Bowl against the Rams when they won 13 to three? Did Brady play defense that day? I'm going to guess he probably didn't, right? I'm going to guess that he didn't. So like this idea that they're a one-sided team that they want, it's ridiculous, and history has shown that you can't win unless everything works together. It's not one. Is certainly Belichick benefited by Brady? Of course. Did Brady Belichick from Bra- benefit from Bra- Belichick? Of course. It's ridiculous.
0: Michael, for, for real quickly, since it's short, for anybody who didn't hear it, here's the snippet real quick.
4: Is he
1: the best coach in NFL
2: history? Absolutely not. Are you crazy? Uh, why, why? not? Well, look at his record without Tom. You got to win without Tom. So you tell telling me? One thing I learned about being great: you got to be great in different situations. It was all Tom. I was there. I saw it. It was Tom. Everybody know it. Tom know it, but he ain't gonna admit it because he want to be politically correct. Right. That's why I'm here. That's why I'm gonna did. tell the truth. And you're not afraid. And I never. And you got experience to talk the and truth. Because I've been there. I've seen it. I confronted him, and we've been through it. And that's how I do.
0: And Brian McFadden's kind of egging him on there, too. But, yeah, you can tell there's, there's a, a grudge for sure.
4: I mean, it's a joke, really. I mean, ask Tom. I mean, ask any coach who's been there. I mean, seriously. You know, I, I could say this. 28-24 doesn't call timeout. Puts in a defense that we hadn't run all year. That we practiced because of March. And Malcolm, and Malcolm Butler makes the interception. I don't think Tom put the defense in. I don't think Tom called the defense, and I don't think Tom didn't call timeout. So, like, let's stop the nonsense. Like, like that's just really somebody just talking.
0: It's moments like these and topics like these when we have the news versus noise conversation that I love that Michael Lombardi is on this program. So good. Uh, We have to take a break, wrapping up our one when we come back, despite this quarterback being misquoted on the number of picks he'll throw in 2023, still raises an interesting question about his interception prop. We'll give you the details in no way or no doubt next.
4: This is the Lombardi line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on V the sports betting. BetMGM,
0: the king of sports books, unleashes the spirit of Las Vegas with BetMGM rewards. Every time you make a wager at BetMGM, you can earn BetMGM rewards points that you can redeem for online bonus credits like bonus bets and bet insurance tokens planning a trip to vegas you can also convert your bet mgm points into mgm rewards points that you can use towards dining shows and hotel rooms at over 20 mgm resorts properties located on the las vegas strip or nationwide Sign up with BetMGM or log on today to get an even bigger piece of the action with BetMGM rewards. Eligibility restrictions do apply. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager new and existing customer offer. All promotions subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER
1: disagree with these takes no way uh-uh, no way or do you approve oh no doubt no doubt no doubt my mind no so diggity no doubt it's time to ask michael lombardi no way or no doubt <sighs>
0: All right, let's do it. Time for No Way or No Doubt. Neither Saquon Barkley nor Josh Jacobs were able to secure long-term deals with their respective teams by the franchise tag deadline, Michael. While neither player is expected to join their team here in the early stages of training camp, many believe Saquon specifically might actually miss regular season action to prove a point. But given the schedule and the team's overachievement on paper last year, no way or no doubt, regardless of whether Saquon Barkley sits or starts every game for the Giants, they're not a playoff team.
4: No doubt, I, I I agree they're not a playoff team and I think this holdout will linger and I think this holdout will cause some apprehension. You know, back in March when I was in Las Vegas, Femi and I did a podcast and I said, look, the concern you have for any team that goes from bad to good and just gets to good is what pat riley refers to as the disease of me when players want to get paid and when they pay daniel jones is when i said this because their team is not about daniel jones their team was how to play a certain way daniel jones was part of it but when you pay daniel jones all that money all of a sudden everybody says well where's my money that's what's certainly happened and Obviously, everybody in New York went crazy on that, Stormy. I mean, my friend Carl, everybody went crazy on it because of what I said. And I didn't even say they had the disease of me. Now, it's fairly clear that they're not going to pay Barkley. I think it's hard to run it back. They have to play a certain way. Are they going to be good enough on defense again? Are people going to take them as seriously this year as they did last year? I don't know. I mean, there's a style they have to play. I don't see them as a playoff team, especially if they try to expand Daniel Jones's role within the offense to commensurate with his salary,
0: and to pay off your point from earlier this hour. If he does miss actual game time, all he's doing is helping the team financially. So put that into perspective. To, uh, yeah. to pay off,
4: the- I, I will say this though, Stormy. I will say this though. He could, I would say this. He could miss games, but he's not going to miss checks. There's Maybe. two different things, right? So if he shows up the Monday before the week one before the opening game against. Uh, I think what, they play the Cowboys week one, right? Yeah. If he, play, if, he open, if he comes in the Wednesday to start that, he probably may not play, may not be in shape, may not be able to handle it. I mean, the hard thing to do with a running back is put him out there in the heat and humidity and expect him to tote the ball 20 times and be as effective on the 22nd carry as he was on the first. That's a hard thing to do. It's like putting a boxer into a boxing mm. match without sparring. So he's not missing any checks. He could miss games.
0: Yeah, that week one game Sunday night football hosting the Cowboys. Speaking of Dallas to pay off the tease, an apparent misquote from Dak Prescott went viral earlier this week. A reporter at the Fort Worth Star-Telegram had his, had him quoting as saying he's, he won't have 10 interceptions this year. But the team has come out to clarify and said he won't have tipped interceptions this year. Regardless, a league high 15 in 2022 despite starting just 12 games. His interception prop this season is 13 and a half. No way or no doubt, Michael, Prescott will rebound this season and stay way under 13 and a half interceptions.
4: I think there's no doubt he will, Stormy. I I, I think they will control the pace of the game better. I think they will try to give him some throws that can keep him out of harm's way. A lot of these interceptions really aren't on him, right? They're really not on him. And I think sometimes we get too carried away with the with the interception pool there. And I think Dak Prescott pays a price for that. And the one thing you always want to do when you're looking at quarterbacks is you want to evaluate how many tip balls per game he gets, right? How many times does the opponent get their hands on the football? I, I think that's really critical, right? So when you go through it and you look at their and you look at it all and you see what's what's occurred, you know, you want to make sure that like Baker Mayfield averages about six. Tip passes, where the defense gets their hands on it. Dax, too high, too. I think he averaged five last year. So, I think he's got to cut back on that in the area where they're not going to get tipped. Because tip passes usually end up in interception. The ball becomes up in the air, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden, we got a chance to make it, like the play that happened against the, the Jacksonville Jaguars.
0: Yep. Too many of them last year. Um, again, a league-high 15 interceptions posted his lowest passer rating since 2017 see if he can get back to form here. Sticking with the Cowboys, Micah Parsons took home Defensive Rookie of the Year honors back in 2021. Followed that up last season with three forced fumbles, 37 solo tackles, and 13 and a half sacks en route to finishing second in the voting for Defensive Player of the Year. Two-time Pro Bowler has reportedly put on extra muscle this offseason. Michael, could that be the boost he needs for a higher sack total and to take home some hardware? So here's the no way or no doubt. Will Micah Parsons lead the league in sacks and Defensive Player of the Year wins.
4: I I think Micah Parsons no doubt can do this, and I think he will because he is such a great player who plays with relentless energy. And I also believe that if the Cowboys slow it down, and I don't mean run the ball. I think people confuse this. I think if they keep their defense on the field for 28 minutes and control the ball offensively for 32 minutes, which can happen, playing less defense will allow Micah to be able to really dominate and take over the game. And I think that'll keep him fresher. Look, they've got a good defensive team, and they move him around enough to where you really can't get an idea about where is he in the defense. You've got to be prepared, and your protection schemes have to be versatile enough to be able to handle him when he's playing on a two-point stance or when he's playing in a three-point stance and he moves from a three technique to a nine technique. How are we blocking that? How are we handle that quickly? And I think that really gives him an advantage because when he's the fourth rusher, he's dynamic. When he's the fifth rusher, meaning the fifth guy coming on the rush, he's also dynamic. So he's a problem no matter what it is. And I think if he's played where he's fresher in terms of his ability uh, to play less defense, I think it'll become more effective.
0: Micah Parsons, plus 750 to lead the league in sacks, plus 650 to be named defensive player of the year. Nick Bosa did both last year with 18 and a half sacks. Um, Three of the last five years, the sack leader was also named the top defensive player, TJ Watt and Aaron Donald, the other two before Bosa. And by the way, Micah Parsons, I saw your tweet on Monday about your mom still paying for your Netflix and cell phone bill. You make $4.2 million a year. Come on, you can handle putting those in your own name at this point. I'm just saying. No way or no doubt, Michael, as we continue rolling along here. There are 12 NFL teams who have never won a Super Bowl. The Vikings, Bills, Bengals, Panthers, Falcons, Chargers, Titans, Cardinals, Browns, Lions, Texans, and Jags. So the no way or no doubt, we will have a first-time Super Bowl champion in 2023,
4: plus 190 on the yes. You know, I... I I think there's no doubt we might I mean look if you like Cincinnati and you like Joe Burrow there's a really good chance here you know if you like the Buffalo Bills with Josh Allen there's a really good chance there you know do we think it's going to be the Tennessee Titans or the Cardinals no I mean the Browns Steve Mackinan has them as a team to bet the under not the over I kind of like it the other way around but Mackinan's been really good in that area and if you read the betting guide he gives all that out if you subscribe to the betting guy, which is essential. So, to me, I, I kind of get the sense if you're going down this road, you're really saying there's two teams. You're saying it's Buffalo or Cincinnati. And you're saying it's they have to come from the AFC. So, from a betting standpoint, it's going to be a real challenge. Mm-hmm. I said no doubt to start off with. I think I talked <laughs> my way into no way.
0: So then it's definitely going to be a no way on this next portion of it as we got about a minute left here in this segment. I was going to take it one step further. There are four teams that have never even made it to a Super Bowl. Could one of them make it? Browns, Lions, Jags, or Texans. Would you give any of them a shot to go the distance and make the big game?
4: No way. No way. I, I think it's going to take you're going to have to get you're going to have to get further. You know, I mean, Cincinnati's poised. They've been knocking on the door. I'm saying you got the Browns to, to win through. the
0: division in the betting guide. Michael, once you get to the dance, anything can happen.
4: Anything can happen. Right. I just don't trust. I don't trust their analytical department. They go off. They go off the reservation. First <laughs> and 10 at their own Twenty. Fourth and 10 at their own. You know, let's go for it. Why not?
0: Another stellar edition of No Way or No Doubt. We got to step aside here. Hour two of the Lombardi line is ahead. And what's on Michael's mind? We've talked a lot of Mountain West this morning, but SEC media days are also going on right now out there in Nashville. This quote has Michael thinking Texas A&M could be back on the rise this season. Don't go anywhere. More Lombardi line coming up on VCN the sports betting network.